0: Uh, this feels really weird. <laughs> uh, it's been that long. It's been uh, a year of speaking to a screen. So this is, uh, I, I might be a little bit rusty, so please uh, please bear with me. But um, it's been a, over a year since this has last happened. Uh, and it feels a little bit like, you know, as a, as a school kid, you go away for a camp. And, you know, you kind of slog it through that camp food and camp uh, lodging. And then you come home. Uh, it's, it feels very familiar, and also, you're very grateful. And that's what it feels like. I feel, it feels like I'm home uh, with you guys, my brothers and s- sisters in Christ, and I'm grateful uh, to God uh, for leading us back here. And a lot's happened in the past year, hasn't it? Right, a lot's happened in our personal lives. So um, you know, A few of our members turned one and had their first birthday. Uh, some of you have picked up uh, new hobbies in sports Uh, Some of you guys have started new jobs. Uh, Some of you guys have moved houses, uh, moved back home. Uh, Some of you have gotten engaged. Um, I'm I'm one of those guys who's gotten engaged. And I want to share with you a little bit about um, how that happened, because I just haven't seen you for such a long time. Uh, It was December last year, and uh, I was ready to ask Heidi to marry me. So on a Tuesday morning, I took a train out to the city to pick up the ring, and you have to know that I am the kind of guy uh, who has a tendency to lose things. Right? I lose my keys, I lose my phone, my wallet all the time, every day. Um, so this was something I definitely did not want to lose, like 100% because you know, rings are not cheap, right? They're, they're very expensive. Uh, so in order to be extra cautious, I took out a jacket with me with uh, in a pocket. I took that thing with me, I went to the store, I paid for the ring. And just as I was about to leave with it, I slipped it into the inner pocket, I put the jacket on. And mind you, this was December, so it was, you know, summer. Really hot, I didn't care. Uh, And as I was trying to make my way out, the cashier, like, kind of stopped me, and they were like, oh, how are you going to propose? What's it going to look like? But for me, I had one job. I had a singular purpose that was to just get home with this thing and not lose it. So as they were asking me these questions, I, was, I literally was just like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go. Bye." <laughs> and I walked out. It was quite rude, uh, but did it anyway. And, you know, I i had this jacket on. Initially, I was so paranoid that, you know, this is going to be the day where I get mugged. Some guy comes up to me, he mugs me, and he takes the ring. So I put one hand in my jacket, pocket, and I walked like this back to the station um, until I s- realized that it, it actually looks pretty bad. It looks, it looks like I'm concealing something. So I took it out and um, I walked like this. <laughs> um, I didn't care, but I, I got all the way home. I got uh, home, I dropped the ring off. It, w- it was all good, uh, happy ending. I proposed, she said yes. But, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I remember on that day, right, on that day, everything changed about me, right? From the way that I talked, the way that I acted, uh, the way that I walked, even, everything changed when I realized what a valuable possession that I had with me. You know, And today, as we gather together again for the first time in a long time, I want to remind you what a valuable possession and precious treasure that we have in the Holy Spirit. God Himself taking up residence in us. He lives in us. He's with us. And I think if we just realize how amazing, how valuable, and how precious the Holy Spirit of God in us was, I think our lives would radically change, radically transform everything would be different. And you know, we're picking up uh, where we left off before the two-week Easter block, and this is a sermon series on the spiritual gifts. And in this series, we've been considering the question, really, what is a spiritual gift and uh, what is it for? And you know, we've taken the first three sermons uh, as we've unpacked 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and Romans 12, to really kind of lay the groundwork just for that question. And uh, the the definition uh, that we came up with was that a spiritual gift is an ability that God gives to His people in order to, in order to build up the body of Christ in love. And I need to tell you that this series, right, on the spiritual gifts, it hasn't come by coincidence. It hasn't come because... You know, the elders looked through the preaching calendar and and decided that this would be convenient. But, you know, over the past few years as a church, we've we've been through some stuff. We've been through various circumstances and disappointments. And I know for me, as a member of this church, as a Christian, as uh, your pastor even, um, you know, these disappointments have caused a level of self-sufficiency, to grip me, to take a hold of my life. It's really caused me to think that I can actually follow Jesus, that I can do church in a way that requires little, if any help at all, from the Holy Spirit. I don't think I'm alone in that, right? Because you guys are part of this church too. And I know you face disappointments too. I don't need to tell you that. And these disappointments, right? They've really caused us to look to a whole lot of means and methods of following Jesus as individuals and as a church. That it doesn't really require much or anything of the Holy Spirit. I think, you know, we're at a point where we don't really feel like we have to fall on our faces and fast anymore to to see this church grow. We just we just need to come up with the right marketing the right strategies so uh, we don't really need to pray we just need the right programs you know that because we have this physical space filled with the presence of physical bodies that this is evidence of a spiritual life but it's not and i am so convinced that one of the greatest hindrances to the to the advancement of the glory of God in our church and in the world is when we try to do the work of God apart from the power of the Spirit of God. So I don't want us to waste this valuable treasure of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit has gifted us to build up this body in love. And I think that if we really grab a hold of that, right, that our church, that us, we would be radically changed, we would be radically different in the way that we love one another, the way that we represent Christ to the world. And by this, God is glorified. And so today over the next, and over the next three Sundays, I want to get a little bit more practical uh, and specific regarding these spiritual gifts uh, that I believe require the most attention, require the most nuancing and teaching, uh, because if they're not, if they're misused and they're misrepresented, I believe that they're really damaging to the gospel. So our passage for today comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, and we'll look at three headings for three gifts, right? Three headings for three gifts. The gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, and the gift of healing. So the gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, and the gift of healing. So, number one, the gift of faith. And, you know, we're coming back to 1 Corinthians 12. This is the first passage that we were in as we started this series. And uh, remember in this passage, Paul is writing to a church who are confused about the spiritual gifts. They've been messing up uh, in their usage and their understanding of the gifts. They've been trying to one-up each other with the gifts. They've been putting down those who have You know, less fancy, less dramatic, less visible gifts. And Paul sets the record straight for them, and he says, there's a diversity of gifts, and they all come from the one spirit. And they're all supposed to be used together to build up the body. And, you know, I have to say that this gift of faith, I don't know how you guys think about it, but it's really thought of as one of those less visible gifts. Like, it's not really that exciting. And, you know, the Bible talks a lot about faith. And I wonder how you understand this word, right? And I want to give you two simple categories. Number one, saving faith. This is a faith uh, that you have when you believe and trust in Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he died a sinner's death, and he rose again. It's a faith that justifies us before God. But secondly, there is a continuing faith, and this is just the faith that we exercise on the daily, every day, in and out as an expression of dependence and trust in God. But it's only here in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 9, that the Bible talks about faith as a gift. The gift of faith. Nowhere else in the Bible is a gift of faith mentioned. And here's what I think this means. The gift of faith that Paul's talking about here, it's not a saving faith. It's not a continuing faith. So it's not like permanent and residential like those faiths. But this faith is a spontaneous and occasional ability that God gives to people to trust that He will move according to who He is when the situation seems difficult and even impossible. When others are ready to give up. It's this faith that just trusts that God will act. And we see examples of this gift uh, in the New Testament in Acts Chapter 6, uh, there's a guy named Stephen, a really interesting character. He was a leader in the early church. And um, Acts 6, chapter, verse 5 calls him a man full of faith. Why? Because as he's being murdered, uh, as he's being stoned, and it's not what we think that word means, as he is literally uh, being killed by people throwing rocks at him, uh, he's bleeding, he's hurting, he's about to die. And here's what Stephen does, a man full of faith. He preaches the gospel to them. And he says, I need to tell you about Jesus. He's the son of God. He was promised in the Old Testament. He lived without sin. He died on a cross and he rose again three days later. And he he doesn't care that he's dying because he knew he was going to be with Jesus. So much so that as he's being stoned and killed by these people, he prays for them. This is what it says in Acts chapter 7. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he said this, he fell asleep. All right, it's a faith that he just knows, even as he's being killed, God's going to bring him home. That God might use his dying words to bring others to Jesus. It's not a faith that he musters up from being gung-ho or having like amazing willpower or being like, a really passionate guy. He was, he was, he's been killed. It's a gift of faith. And having this gift of faith, it doesn't mean that you're just like a naive, uh, Ned Flanders-esque, blindly optimistic kind of person. It doesn't mean that you never wrestle with doubt. But it does mean that at times... God gives you an ability to see obstacles as opportunities to trust in Him for the impossible. That's a gift of faith. And so when uh, somebody comes up to you and says, and that person will never become a Christian. I see them and they're so far removed. They'll never become a Christian. And, and you're led to consider, you know, I've, I've seen people worse than them get saved. And God, I, I know you can save them too. I know you can. So please save them. When someone says, my marriage is falling apart. And your response is, that's going to be so painful. But even in the most broken and messed up relationships, God can bring about forgiveness and reconciliation and healing. So don't give up hope. Hang in there. Wait on the Lord maybe in a church setting when you hear about a new ministry starting up. And, you know, honestly, the natural kind of inclination of of us is is to say, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. You're going to need new people, new ideas, new concepts. I don't know if that can happen. I don't know if that ministry can start up. I don't know if that church can start up. But you, on the inside, think... I can see how that would be difficult. And things don't look that great. You know, to get that ministry started or to get that church off the ground, and maybe God won't do it. But don't ever, don't ever say that He can't. And if you you resonate with any of that, perhaps God has gifted you with the gift of faith. And here's something awesome. You know, in Stephen's example, his gift of faith that he exercised while he was preaching the gospel to death, literally, uh, it had profound effects. So as he was being killed at his execution, there was another young guy there. His name was Saul. He was a person who was overseeing Stephen's execution. And a few chapters later, he becomes a Christian. He changes his name from Saul to Paul. And he is the one who wrote this letter that we just read this passage, to the Corinthian church, telling them about this gift of faith. And Paul would go on to be beat up, kicked down, thrown in prison, uh, even facing death. And he's, he's able to say, take heart. Take heart. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And I cannot wonder I can't help but wonder how Stephen's gift of faith must have impacted and and done something to Paul. Right, to inspire such radical faith in Christ in him, that he would go all the way to be willing to die for Christ and he would. And without wavering in his trust and goodness, in the goodness and faithfulness of God. And so if you have this gift, right, if you have this gift, even if you don't think it's very great, or very fancy, or very visible, your gift of faith is integral to building up the body of Christ. Your gift of faith stirs up faith in others when they are struggling, when they are cast down, when they are doubting, when they are wavering. So the gift of faith, I just want to say this, don't waste it. Don't be afraid to exercise it. Be intentional to encourage those with your words. Be intentional to pray for people. Keep a journal and record the ways that God has answered your prayers for you and for others, the ways that God has shown up and, and boosts in that. Not because you're the boss telling God what to do. That's not the gift of faith because you're gifted to trust God as a gracious father who loves to care for his children. So that's the gift of faith. Number two, the gift of working of miracles. And this pops up in verse 10, just simply as the working of miracles. And in the original language, in the Greek, it's literally working of powers, right? And we think like superpowers, supernatural abilities, supernatural things that occur that don't make sense to us. And that's uh, really basically what it is. And the reason that I'm talking about this before healing is because healing really falls into the, the, the bigger category of miracles. You know, another way to put it is a healing would be a type of miracle, but not every miracle is a healing. So I'm just going to touch on this one briefly. And, you know, when we think of miracles, you might say, yeah, that's, that's great, I've never seen one before. And that's because miracles are by definition... Not very common, they don't really happen that often. If they did, they would be called Wednesdays. But, you know, while they don't happen often, Sasha so love that one, yeah. yeah. It's the hump day that gets you. Yeah, uh, you know, while they don't happen often, mir- miracles can occur uh, in major, explosive, extraordinary ways, like public displays to little daily events, right? So, examples in the New Testament include disciples casting demons out of people. That's pretty extreme. Uh, Peter raising Tabitha from the dead. It's pretty impressive as well. To The disciples finding a coin in a fish's mouth because Jesus told them that they would. That's like, yeah, okay. Um, And, you know, I've experienced a miracle one time in my life. Uh, There's nothing that I can rationalize to make sense of it at all. I experienced it when I was in year 10 in high school. I lost my sports bag, Um, it had a lot of gear in there, it was pretty expensive and I was so afraid of telling my parents, so deathly afraid. I was having like anxiety attacks Uh, and I was, I stayed at school that day till about 5 p.m., just looking everywhere, I went to lost property, scoured the whole grounds and I ended up at the very bottom of the school in a long corridor, it was completely empty, it was 5 p.m., I was by myself, just pacing back and forth to my locker. I was thinking, what do I do? Do I buy another bag? Do I fake that I didn't lose stuff? And I just stopped in front of my locker. For about 20 seconds, I just prayed. And I said, God, God, I don't know what to do. This is so, maybe you don't think it's very important, but it is to me. Can you help me? 20 seconds. And I looked down on my right, and the bag was right there at my feet. Doesn't make any sense, but for me, all it did was confirm that God heard my prayer and that He answered it. See, so the point of miracles is to be a series of signs that points to Jesus. So the point of the miracle is to get people to Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, right? It's commonly called the the Gospel of the Book of Signs because it it, it features uh, very heavily. These seven signs, these wonders, these miracles that Jesus performs. And at the very end of John, he gives a purpose statement, like the, the reason why he wrote this book at all. And this is what he says. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's talking about the miracles, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the, this is what it means to exercise and experience and employ uh, the, this gift of miracles. It's, it's not us doing the miracle, but it's God doing the miracle through us as we call upon him, as we pray. And finally, and lastly, I want to talk about the gifts of healing. And this is probably going to be the most uh, interesting, uh, to say the least, um, and you know this this gift of healing it i, I don 't know what your experience with it is, but it, it really falls into that broader category of the, uh, the gift of miracles and it 's probably the most misrepresented and the most misused spiritual gift in the church and When Paul was writing to these guys in uh, in Corinth at the time, they were doing that they were misusing uh, gift of healing. They were misrepresenting it. They were saying, I have this gift. I can heal people. I'm the best. Uh, Your gift sucks. And, you know, many churches still do that today, uh, maybe not as brazenly. Uh, So, for example, uh, it's really uh, really sad to say that there are many accounts of instances like this one, which occurred in 2009 uh, in the U.S., where the parents of a child born six weeks premature, decided to refuse medical attention for their child, uh, instead anointing the child with oil and believing that because they had the gift of healing that this child would be healed. And this child died nine hours later. Another example is the caricature of uh, the faith healer. You know, Think of a guy in a white suit who owns a private jet who just flies around uh, the world and he claims to have authority from God to be able to heal at will right because God's will is always to heal always to heal every disease and every ail- every illness every ailment except it's not actually even a caricature this actually happens and people who say that they have this gift and they end up praying on the weak and the elderly and the sick and the hurting and the dying And we hear about examples like this. um, We can all agree. That's bad. That's wrong. We we don't want to go there. And maybe, you know, the common response is, let's just shut it down. But, you know, there are are people who have done terrible things with the Bible. And that doesn't mean that the Bible is bad and we punt the Bible. It means that they used it wrong. And so, We don't punt on healing, but we use it rightly. So how do we think about this gift of healing? Well, first of all, because it is a miracle, you need to understand this. uh, This gift of healing, it's the ability to pray for someone and God heals them. You don't heal them. God heals them. And you experience the blessing of getting to intercede for them in prayer. In our passage today, when we read about this gift of healing, uh, very briefly in verse 9, uh, Paul says to another, gifts of healing, in the original language, in the Greek, what we actually see is two pl- two plurals, right? Not gifts of healing, singular, but gifts of healings, right? Gifts of healings. And what that seems to indicate to us is that Paul is not looking at this gift as this one, like, be-all, end-all gift that you get, and you can heal every disease, every illness that's out there. But rather, these are many gifts of healings given, given to various people according to God's sovereign will. So there may be some of you who are gifted uh, in healing and who are able to pray more effectively for, for bad backs. And perhaps there are some of you uh, who are able to see more success as you pray for healing uh, for someone with migraines. And really, this was the Apostle Paul's own experience. See, in the, all, all throughout the book of Acts, you see Paul go and uh, go, go throughout uh, and, and, he, and heal people. He, he heals a crippled guy, he heals a whole crowd of, of people uh, and, and in Ephesus. He, he, he heals a demonized girl uh, in Philippi. He heals a guy named uh, Eutychus who falls out of a window because he falls asleep uh, during preaching, and everyone thinks he's dead, but he heals him too. Then we also see that Paul couldn't heal himself. He couldn't heal himself of this thorn in the flesh that he talked about or uh, the sickness that he had while he was preaching in uh, Galatia. He couldn't heal his protege, Timothy. Uh, I would think that p- pretty important. right? This is a guy he's discipling and leading. He couldn't heal him from a stomach illness. He couldn't heal his co-laborer in gospel ministry, Epaphroditus, when he was dying, when he had a life-threatening illness. He couldn't heal him. And I think what that tells us is that Paul may have been gifted to heal many people, but not all people. And if that's the case for the Apostle Paul, why would it be any different for us? And Paul understood that there wasn't one gift of healing to heal every single person of every disease on every occasion, but different gifts of healings that God has sovereignly appointed to the church. And So this gift of healing—it's not the ability to heal everyone of every disease. It doesn't mean that every time you pray for someone, you'll be healed; they'll be healed. But I wonder—have you ever thought why, though? Like, what? What do these guys get so wrong? Because if God is a good God, if God is all about redemption, why doesn't God heal all diseases all the time? And the reality is that this is a gospel that is being proclaimed by some people. That if you believe in Jesus, you'll be healed of all your diseases right now. That if you trust in Jesus, you'll be free of your sicknesses today. And it sounds great. It sounds attractive. It sounds like it hits that need that you have. But it's also false. It's a false gospel. Because what you and I ultimately need, it's not physical. What you and I ultimately need is spiritual. See, our physical suffering, our our sickness, when we get ill, uh, it really ultimately goes back to a spiritual source, right? When sin entered the world, So did suffering and pain of every kind, right? Every headache that we have, every tumor, every broken bone, every cancer, it it all testifies to the reality that the world that we live in is not as it should be. There's something not right. There's something broken. And so our ultimate problem is that we are separated from God by sin in a world that's full of suffering. And our ultimate need is not to get rid of our sickness, but to be reconciled to our maker. And this is what Jesus has come to do. Because if sin is ultimately the root of all our suffering, then what we really need most is for someone to solve that problem. And we need someone with power, not just over disease and demons, but we need someone with power over sin and death. And this is the good news of the gospel, the greatest news ever told. God has not left sinners alone in a world of sin and suffering. God himself has come to us. He's lived a life that we could not live, a life of perfect, sinless obedience to the Father. And even though He had no sin for which He should die, He chose to die on a cross for our sins as our substitute. Jesus died for our sins. And then this good news. It actually keeps getting better because Jesus didn't stay dead for long, but He actually rose from the grave in victory over sin and death. And now He offers reconciliation To God, to anyone, anywhere, who repents and believes in Him. This is the gospel. See, the gospel isn't that if you trust in Jesus, your cancer will be gone. Or your paralysis will be gone. Or your problems will be gone. The gospel is, trust in Jesus and your sins will be gone. See, when we are reconciled to God with a righteousness... That's not our own. That comes from outside of us in a savior. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens to you, if your body is wasting away, we know that cancer will not have the last word. Depression will not have the last word. Heart attacks, hospital rooms, hospice care will not have the last word. Death itself will not have the last word because death has been defeated by Jesus on the cross, cross. And He will have the last word. So the good news of the kingdom is not that Jesus will heal all your sicknesses now. The, the good news of the kingdom is Jesus will forgive you of all your sins forever. And so when we pray for healing, when we use this gift And God heals someone through our prayers. We never stop being amazed and in awe of the reality that Jesus is victorious over disease and demons and death, over paralysis, over over when Jesus speaks, demons flee. When Jesus speaks, death itself obeys. And so we never stop being in awe. When we pray for someone and God heals them through our prayers, and we seek to pray for them, but when we pray for someone and God doesn't heal them, we still rejoice. Because with bodies that are all wasting away, nothing, no nothing, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor present or future or power, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is the last word of our lives. You know, I heard one uh, older Christian woman uh, describe her gift of healing in a helpful way like this. She said, you know, I I don't want really anyone to know about this gift. I I don't want lots of attention. But I, I love praying for the sick. I love kids. So I go to hospitals. I go to hospitals, ho- hospitals and I, I visit either children's hospitals or I go to the children's wards of hospitals and I go from room to room and I talk to kids about Jesus and I pray for them. I pray that they would be healed and I tell them that if they get better, it's because Jesus died for them and loves them. And I think that's how we exercise this gift. In humble dependence on God, understanding that our greatest need, it's not physical, but it's spiritual. And so we pray, Lord, please heal them. And would you do it so that they would know Jesus more? You know, my personal experiences uh, with the gift of healing, uh, kind of two moments stand out for me. Uh, They both happened on uh, short-term missions, so you know, I encourage you um, when we get missions started up again, uh, sign up. Uh, it's a it's a great experience where you really come uh, to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. But uh, the first one was in uh, the U.S. Uh, it was the first time I went overseas for a short-term missions trip, um, and I remember the first night we got there, we were ministering at like a youth conference, and I, I prayed for a brother who had back pain, and I was so eager, I was so excited, and I prayed for him. I prayed that he would be healed. And he turned around and he flat out said right to my face, it's not even 1% better. It hurts more. (laughs) Um, No change. What do you do with that, right? Uh, And even though this brother wasn't healed, it's really amazing because he ended up being the guy who had the most significant change out of every single person that I'd encountered, he didn't have some dramatic healing experience, but I just remember on the last night of our time together, he and i we just sat down for two hours just talking about the goodness of Jesus, and you know, as tears rolled down our face we, we we gave glory to Christ. The second one was in Chennai in India, and um I, Pastor Matthew, who was our host at the time, uh, he took us to a remote village uh, where we met a crippled man, and this crippled man came up to us and he asked for prayer. Um, And Pastor Matthew uh, graciously said, hey, let me take this one, and he prayed for this man, and I saw a crippled man with legs that were wasted away from non-use, walking. And you you can't rationalize that. You don't know what to do with it. And, you know, so they, doctors make up words like spontaneous remission. I, I don't even know what that means. Uh, but, you know, he's all better. You can't make sense of it. He's all better. And what did it do? We gave glory to Christ. Brothers and sisters, here's our position as a church. We don't chase signs. We don't chase wonders. We don't chase miracles and healings. We chase Jesus. We follow him with our lives. And as we do that, we use the gifts that he's given us to build the church that he gave his life for. So what I'd like to do now is, um, this morning, and this very first gathering back together, I think something that we've sorely missed is the gift and the privilege of being able to pray for one another. And so, if you have been struggling in your faith, You know, whether you're wrestling with doubt, whether you've been wrestling with apathy or anxiety, whether you've been wrestling with difficult or impossible situations, will you be so bold as to receive prayer? To let those with the gift of faith pray for you, to encourage you, to build you up in your faith in Jesus. So I want to ask that if that's you, it's just us. We're, we're a spiritual family. Just put up your hand. And if you're around them, surround them and pray for them. At the same time, if you've been struggling with illness of any kind, or some kind of affliction, or whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, I also want to ask that you just make yourself known. As a church family, let's practice using our spiritual gifts to build up this body of Christ in love. We're not praying that problems and illnesses would go away, but you know, as one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. And we're proclaiming, whether in life or in death, this person uh, we're praying for may grasp and know The love of Christ in the gospel, and so we do pray that God would revive their faith, that God would encourage them. We do pray that the Lord would heal them of all of their diseases, so that they would know, trust, and love Jesus more. So, if that's you, I just want to ask: Would you be so humble? bold as to just put up a hand and and to receive prayer. No one's going to be analyzing you or scrutinizing you. But to enable this body to practice using our gifts. Gifts for the glory of Jesus. Let's use our gifts to love. Let's use our gifts to build up this body. And um, before we do that, uh, I want you just to ask the person who's receiving prayer to just give you a brief, thirty-second statement of what they're wanting prayer for. Yes, let's let's do that, church. our minds and hearts on Jesus. Lord, our faith is weak. We ask that you would strengthen it right now. We ask that you would awaken faith in our hearts, if nothing more than to be simply reminded that you are good. Worship, uh, just continuing to glory in Christ. Um, some of the members of our community have uh, been vulnerable and asking for prayer, um, and I believe that we uh, were able to love them and exercise the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. But let's just spend some time just glorying in Christ, glorying in the gospel as we sing.
1: What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing can stand against. What a beautiful name.
0: We thank you for the good news of the gospel, that in Jesus, our sins do not count towards us anymore, that all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven forever. Thank you for the good news of Jesus. May it transform us. May it transform us as individuals and as a church community. And as we step out in boldness and in faith and use our spiritual gifts to serve one another, to love one another, may you be glorified and may this body be built up in love. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.